Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold. This week, we have my interview with the very young and very talented and very successful chef, Aton Bernath who has a new cookbook out. You'll hear all about it. It's great. And if you're kosher, all the recipes are kosher. Okay? Oh, something was on my bell, so I'm redoing it. Okay. So um, I figured, you know, this will be a nice interview uh, after a really another horrible week of bad politics, lawmaking, and racism and anti-Semitism and homophobia. Anyway, so that's that. And if you are in Connecticut or near Connecticut, I'll be in Norwalk June 2nd with Jessica Curson. I'm also working in Provincetown. I just I just want to put that out in the beginning of the show because I know how your attention spans are. So sit back, relax, 
and enjoy part one of my interview with a tongue. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited today uh, on Kill Me. First of all, you're not my youngest podcast guest, so I just want to say that, but you're maybe my second youngest. I'm going to go with second youngest. Ladies and gentlemen, today, this is exciting because, you know, I find I love delving into people's lives. First of all, happy birthday to our guest. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's just very interesting how much this person has accomplished in the mere 21 years. 20. Uh, 20. Oh, I thought it was 21 because I kept saying, oh, because they're like, oh, he's 20, 20. 20 years he's been on the search. 20 years ago, I was pregnant with my younger son and I looked much younger. And I had a five-year-old and this one, I can't take how much you have done Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, A. Tom Bernath is here. Woo! Hello. I'm so, so excited to be chatting. Thank you for that incredible intro. Okay, listen, let, before we begin, Aton has a new cookbook called Aton Eats the World, and it's really great. It's really great. I love to cook, and I love that you dedicated it to your grandparents, and it's so beautifully shot. The recipes are amazing. Okay, and now we will be getting into your fucking amazing life. What the fuck? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so anytime we have a lot in common. A, Jews. Yes. B, well, I grew up kosher, and I was kosher for a very long time, and now I cheat. So we're both very Jewy. I have a lot of phlegm today because I just had cereal with whole milk, chia seeds, and blueberries. Ooh, yes, that is phlegm producing. Right, but don't you think whole milk is better for you than like, I mean, first of all, it tastes better. I guess after a certain age, you're not supposed to drink milk, but do you drink milk? Um, I grew up lactose intolerant. Um, Oh my God, this Jew. (laughs) um so i actually don't enjoy drinking cow's milk because i never had it growing up and then once i got over the allergy um it just didn't really appeal to me so i'm not what kind of milk do you drink like i i'm not a big milk consumer in general but when Uh i do usually like almond milk Ugh, gross okay (laughs) you are such a jew little i love you for that's the Jew bell. I, anything Jewish, I ring the bell. Okay. So, I mean, as you should. So you grew up in Teaneck. Jewish. Yeah. Uh, my only boyfriend I ever had was from Teaneck. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, you know, I was experimenting with heterosexuality. Didn't work out. Your mother, Sabrina. Your father, Jason. Juju. Your brother, Yoni, who I don't know. I feel so sorry for him. That he's your younger brother and has to deal with, you know, your incredible, incredible uh, success. It must be hard for him, don't you think? Yeah, um, I mean, Yoni, my little brother, um, he is uh, my biggest fan and also my biggest critic. As right, of course. Um, you know, I always say that Yoni keeps me humble, but um, he's, aside from all the jokes that we love to make at each other, um, he's... Super supportive. And, you know, definitely, obviously, um, there's 
a lot of challenges that come with being my brother. Um, but, you know, I think he's, it's, he's really, you know, learned to live with them and learn to embrace them. And, you know, if people mention a lot of times people are like, Oh, are you a Tabernacle's brother? He'll be like, no, I don't know. Him. Oh, I love like, you, Yoni. I know what it's like to be the youngest of two people who, you know, got perfect grades and did, but you know what? The youngest we're, we have the best personality. So I know no, you have yeah. a good personality, but Yoni's going to make it big. Yeah, Yoni, I would say Yoni's, Yoni's the cooler Bernath brother, in my opinion. Okay. So, and you're very, you were very close with your grandpa, Larry, and you are close with your grandma, Linda. And you went now, so you grew up in Teaneck. Your mother's, okay, I can't, the bell is going to just, I'm just doing a few bells now to make up for that I can't ring the bell a hundred times every time I talk to you. Okay. <laughs> so your mother's a math teacher. That is interesting because there are not a lot of female math teachers. Yes. Um, yes. So my mom's also the head of the math department. So at the, now, so you went to, wait, don't say it. Yavna Academy. Yes. For elementary school and the first school for, um, for high school. Yeah. So your mother was the, the head of the math department. Yes. And your father. Occupational uh, therapist. Was an OT for kids, right? Yes. Like you're coming already coming from giver, giver men family. Yes. Now, where did your grandparents grow up? Grow up. Um, yeah. So my, on my dad's side, the family, um, my grandpa Larry and grandma Linda, um, are both like the New York area. Okay. Um, they, my grandma Linda, um, currently lives in Fairlawn where she lived with my grandfather, um, and where my dad grew up. Um, and my mom's mom, um, is from New York also, but they lived in Florida for a little bit. Um, but a lot of the New York area mostly. Right. Okay. So you're East coast Jews. Um, very much. As a young child, before you discovered food and cooking, what were your hobbies? What were you like? It's a good question. I was a very picky eater. Um, yeah, I read child. that. Yeah. Um, I just would basically just eat carbohydrates. It was my favorite food group. And honestly, still is, but I eat other things as I well. I mean, now. is there anything better than a carb? No, no. I mean, seriously, my profile on Twitter is I love challah. I just want you to know that. Okay. I, as, as it should be. Um, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, growing up, I was very picky. Um, you know, I never really like loved sports a lot, which, which, you know, most of my peers right. were doing. Does Yoni um, love sports? Honestly, not really either. Not that much. Wow. Um, okay. We weren't that much of a sporty family. Um, but I really love, um, I really loved food and, you know, growing up, I would, you know, there's so many pictures of me. A lot of my video pictures are really me, like in the fridge or like in the cabinets. Right. Right. Um, and you know, I just always loved food and, you know, watching food network. And, um, I was just, you know, I think growing up and I'm going to, the bell is about to ring growing up in a Jewish family. Um, right. you know, food is such a central part of life. And I think for me, you know, when I look back at my life and, you know, it's part of what I tell in eight times the world, like, I think like all of the greatest memories I have are right. food. Um, you know, even like, um, you know, the books dedicated to my grandpa Larry and loving memory of him. And, you know, I think when I look back at my memories with him, like the most prominent memories are around food. And I think, you know, for me, well, yes, it's funny if you tell my parents, I was like two years old tonight or two to like a toddler to like 
before I was a teenager. What do you call that between toddler and teenager? Child? Yes, let's see. Yeah, what right. So you have toddler, child, preteen. Oh, preteen. Yes, preteen. Yes, preteen is it. Um, so yeah, and I think during those years, I was a very picky eater. If you had told my parents I'd be working in food one day, they would not believe you. But, but yeah. your mother cooked, right? Your mother cooked. She was a very Jewy cook. Yeah. Uh, but what I find interesting, because I grew up kosher, and, you know, I grew up in, I was born in 62. I know I look fabulous. And um, probably way older than your parents, which is so annoying. But, you know, I grew up in a kosher home, and the the food, and I was just telling my kids this, um, that, you know, for Passovers, um, you know, there weren't specialty stores that with kosher food. I mean, it was torture for eight days and <laughs> and we had nothing. You know, now there's all these gourmet kosher, you know, shops. So the one thing I think also, so I grew up kosher and then every Sunday was when we went out to dinner and you had the same thing that you would go out to dinner on Sundays with your family. But when your mother was cooking, and I, you know, again, that whole idea of memories, like our religion is so food based, don't you think? Yeah, we love food. <laughs> right. And, and and even for each holiday, we have food that's either shaped for something or we have uh, rules about what we can and cannot eat. And a lot of our holidays are most of them are around a large table with family talking and eating. So I think food is, and you learn about the world through food yes, and, and everyone's is. recipes, you know, since we've been kicked out of every country, you get this spice from that country and, Oh, my family came through here. So there's that spice and that, right. So you're this very, so you're going to yeshiva, correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, I went to, well, I went to the first school. It's a co-ed um, Orthodox yeshiva. And everyone is the same, right? Yes, every, everyone looks very similar. Right. Do you feel like you were, I mean, here you are, your mother, you're Jewy Jew. Um, is growing up in that environment of like-minded and, you know, just same sort of values and stuff. Do you think you, you know, as you, as you, make your way through this huge world? Do you think that you missed out on anything? Um, I think that's a good question. Um, I think that, yeah, I definitely grew up in more of kind of a sheltered community. I mean, I think, you know, um, my parents very much like exposed us, I think a lot more than even some of my peers necessarily got um, to the outside world. Um, right. And, you know, kind of like you said, my parents, you know, being both educators really used food as a vehicle to teach us about the world around us. And I think that, you know, something that was instilled at a young age in me is also, you know, just the concept of really like caring about the world around you. And I think- Well, that Tikkun Olam, exactly. which is one of the tenets of our religion, heal the world, yeah. Exactly. And I think that, so, but I think, you know, in order to care about everyone in the world, you need to learn about them. Right. Um, and, you know, I think food for me has always been that way that, you know, I've really enjoyed to learn about the world. And, um, you know, I think that in a way, I think, you know, being in such more of a tight-knit community where everyone kind of looks the same and, does the same traditions, everything, I think honestly probably really sparked my creativity a lot about learning about other religions and cuisines and cultures. You know, I think for me, 
um, what I loved, you know, I would used to watch, I mean, I still do, I don't have as much time right now to do, but I was younger. Um, I would just watch hours and hours and hours of documentaries. Yes. I read um, that. Yeah. About food. I, yeah. I love documentaries. And, you know, for me, like, I don't want to just know how to cook a dish from South India. I want to know every little, why, why they grow those vegetables there. Right. You know, what are the religious or cultural tradition traditions, you know, why do they use these spices? Where do they get the spices from? You know, what are they, what are their practices that they do? Who's cooking this food? Where are they cooking the food? And so for me, I, I think honestly, you know, growing up in a community where it's like, okay, everyone kind of looks the same. I mean, I did have until so where I lived was a little bit further off from where most people lived. And um, I actually grew up um, on a block with a lot of um, Indian and Pakistani families. And um, actually my closest friend uh, my whole life, who's like a sister to me, is my friend Heba, who's my next door neighbor. Um, and so I also grew up in her house a lot. She was a Muslim. Indian. Oh, that's great. That's um, so great. And so, yeah, I think in a way it honestly made me more curious to learn about the world around me um, because I wasn't, you know, going to like a public school where there's, you know, people of other you know races and religions and backgrounds, you know, everyone that went to my school nine percent of people were other Ashkenazi Jews. Right. Um, and so I think that if anything, it kind of sparked my interest even more. Cause I was like, okay, like I know what everyone here's story is. Um, and I think it, it made me fascinated to learn, you know, you know what they do in India, what they do in Mexico, what they do in Italy. So um, in a way, I think sometimes I think if I was, had a more kind of normal upbringing that I maybe wouldn't almost like with, have been without, more scattered or yeah, it would have just been less, intriguing. Whereas for me, it was like, okay, you, I want to learn about this. Do you think you're an anomaly in that way? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that, um, I think that, I mean, obviously, you know, I think not everyone has the level of interest I do in it. Right. right. Um, but yeah. Hey everyone. You know what I just did? I tore, I poured, and I enjoyed a packet of Liquid IV, because I love Liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life. And I just worked out with my trainer, and I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra. That has a little green tea in it. And so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And you know, it's getting warmer out. And what does that mean? Summer. Oh God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor, and I love them. And they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, 
can't speak. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. You know, when you talk about food the way you're talking about food, right? It reminds me of being an English major, right? So you go to the etymology of the word and, you know, and you're saying, wow, uh, you're taking like like a recipe or a piece of food is is a novel and I or a, a, a book and I want to know everything about it, all the research and everything that went into it. And I love that. And I let you know, documentaries the best. So when you went out on Sunday night with your families, with your family for dinner, which we did the same thing every Sunday night, did you go to kosher restaurants? Yeah, kosher and sometimes like vegan. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, we would I mean, growing up in Bergen County, there's so many restaurants. So, um, there's, there's always place to try and also living near the city. I mean, you have access yeah. to the whole world basically. You know, we would go out and my mother was so kosher, like she would not cheat. And, you know, and we would go to like the diner, but it was like, I'm going to have a tuna fish sandwich. No, butter, no, this, like nothing ha- mm. could touch you know, and so we have this joke in my family that we would, there was one like Asian Chinese restaurant in our town. And my sister said to me recently, actually, you know, I didn't even know there was anything other than vegetable chow mein until I was like 35 <laughs> years old. I mean, we didn't, but we went out, but we, you know, we'd get eggplant Parmesan or, you know, so, um, okay. So you grow up and you get this, this, which is so interesting that you're a picky eater and yet you're so fascinated by food. I find that that um, trajectory so fascinating that because in a way, when you were a picky eater, you were also obsessed with food in one way and you sort of shifted it and turned it to say, hey, I got to I got to figure this out. Or I, I do you know what snapped in your head where you were like? I, I want to try everything or I want to, you know, learn about everything. Yeah. I mean, it honestly kind of, let's say a very slow pro- pro- progression. Really? Um, you know, a, a very common story in a ton the world. And I can give one as an example. Um, is That's this a good book, everyone. Like, like this recipe got me to eat this food. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think at the crux of it, you know, being that I was a pick eater growing up, I think I really understand that. I, th- I genuinely do believe that for the overwhelming majority of foods that you think you don't like, you just haven't had it cooked in a way. That the right way. Um, so, you know, I think a great example of this um, is the seared Brussels sprouts recipe. Uh, in eight times it's the world, um, it's seared Brussels sprouts with um, chili okay. Dijon pan sauce. Um, and I can actually read you just one of the first two lines of the head note. Um, and this is honestly a very common story in the book. Um, it says, my I have my friend Rachel Dolphy to thank for this one. After I spent a lifetime hating Brussels sprouts, Rachel cooked them for me once and my mind was blown. For the first time ever, I not only liked Brussels sprouts, I loved them. Chances are, if you're reading this book and you also think you don't like Brussels sprouts, it's because you've never had them cooked to perfection either. 
here you know, here and now I'm telling you that this recipe will win over even the biggest Brussels sprout skeptics among us. And so I think that that really kind of, you know what? I love that. It, it, I love I that. That really speaks to my, because experience. I, because I grew up the way I grew up, I hated Brussels sprouts because my mother did nothing with them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and yeah, so that's so great. I love that because I love Brussels sprouts now and they're very popular. They're very they're popular. Delicious. Yeah. I think, I think that's honestly like really, you know, the crux of my, personal culinary journey was like, I definitely start out cooking more foods that like were carb focused. Right. Um, and things that were stuff I liked. Um, but you know, as I was like, you know, getting older and trying like branching out, um, you know, I think part of it was that, you know, I, I mean, I started my career when I was 11 years old. I know I can't, um, first of all, I just want you to know, uh, that I was also on chopped. So we're oh. going to discuss that. Yes. But it's so, it, first of all, I love the, the story in the book about how you went to this, um, you love Indian food. I love Indian food too. And and you went and there was a Northern Indian restaurant. And then you went to a Southern Indian restaurant and you're like, where's the bread? I need the bread. That, and you realize, oh, because even though it's the same country, because of the agriculture, because of, you know, what is available, they had rice. And I love that story of a little kid realizing, oh, uh, it's but no one else thinks like that at that age. You're out of your mind. You're so smart. Okay, (laughs) so you're 11 years old. uh, And I love that you often say that you're obsessive because I am, too. And I think that when you are obsessed with something or you love something so much and you need to know every everything about it, it makes you so much better at your craft. So you said that when you went out to dinner with your parents, you would order a different dish every time, or they would encourage you to order a different dish every time. Now, my kids make fun of me because I'll, you know, we'll go to the diner and I'll ask for the menu. And they're like, mommy, you've seen this menu 4,000 <laughs> times and you're going to take an hour to order the same thing that you order every, I am every time I am resistant to ordering. Like if I like something, like I love tikka masala. Mm-hmm. It's in the book. Is that an American version of an Indian American? Yeah, that's idea? a good question. So it's it's definitely a dish that's a little bit debated. Um, you know, I think the most common origin story that I've heard, um, but there's definitely a bunch out there, um, is that when the British Raj came back to the UK after colonizing India, um, they wanted to like cook a dish that would, they thought like represented the cuisine back in right, India. Right, right. Um, you know, for example, like Madras curry powder, that's not Indian. That's, that's British. The British right. invented that because it was eat, rather than, you know, I mean, I think, you know, for a lot of Indian chefs, you know, growing up, um, with a bunch of my neighbors, Indian and cooking with them, you know, and asking them questions about like curry powder, for example, you know, right. a lot of them laugh at the thought of curry powder. Cause you know, um, anyone who cooks Indian food knows that, you know, every single Indian dish has its own set of perfectly curated spices. Right. Um, so the thought that one spice can encompass a whole cuisine is honestly almost offensive for a lot of cooks. Um, but, you know, I think kind of like the curry powder story, you know, it was a dish, you know, it really is kind of a combination of chicken tikka, which is um, the marinated chicken to clean yogurt. I use coconut yeah. milk. Um, and it is super flavorful marinated chicken that is then cooked usually in a tandoor oven. Um, so you have that really intense heat. And then it's cooked in kind of like a butter chicken sauce or, um, or sorry, butter chicken in a butter tomato sauce or a muck meat right. um, in Hindi. 
Um, and so it's kind of a combination of two dishes. So it's not super traditional Indian cuisine, but it's it's basically the most popular Indian in quotes. I know because it's recipe. so delicious and it's saucy and yeah. we love sauce in this country. We do. Um, and so whenever I go to an Indian restaurant, I order sag. Oh, I love sag. Sag paneer, yeah. Yeah. So we call it saggy tits paneer. Um, <laughs> um, and I order the chicken. I order um, uh, a lasuni gobi. Oh, the cauliflower. I love cauliflower. Oh, my God. It's so good. Um, you have a recipe in here for garlic naan, which is amazing. So you're 11. And so you're 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 getting into the you know, your parents are encouraging you order something new. Were you ever whenever when you ordered something new, were you ever like, oh, shit, I should have ordered. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think okay. you step out of your comfort zone, you're right. bound to not go well. But I think, you know, I think for me, in terms of trying new foods, it's all like you got to just try it. I think you right. know, growing up, um, there were so many years of my life I didn't eat all these foods that I now love. Right. Um, and I think, you know, we really get are like, oh, I don't like this food. I'm not going to eat it. And then, well, right. yes, you know, at the end of the day, like if you're spending money at a restaurant, you don't want to yeah. like spend 20 bucks on a dish and then be like, well, I don't like this. Um, but I do think if you're trying in an adventurous mood, you definitely should try new foods. And I think for me, um, you know, I think kind of an element that was kind of interesting, is, you know, growing up in also the public eye, you know, I, I mean, by the time I was 11, already being in the public eye and starting to create content, um, I actually think a lot, a lot, a lot of foods I started eating, um, because I was creating food content and I was like, at a point I was like, oh, I'm like running you out. You have of to do I this. know. I'm like, right. I'm like. In my personal life, like being a little kid, like obviously whatever you can eat enough fruit. So like I, this is my job. I, I I need to make all these recipes, and I was enjoying doing it. I was like, all right, like eight times time to like gear up. You think you don't like these things? Right, you gotta right, try right. Them. Um, and so honestly, I think you know, in a weird way, um, you know, the start of my career in creating recipes and content. You know, I I've, I've been publishing a recipe on my website every week for the past eight years. And, you know, I think for me, it was also almost like pushing me like, okay, got to keep trying new foods. Like, right, right, right. Know, I'm, I'm telling this story of growing up, you know, and learning about the world of cooking and food. And other cultures, and, yeah. And there's more, I'm running out of foods that I know. And I'm like, all right, I got to go to more restaurants, try more foods, research more, everything. And so it was this kind of cool thing of that, you know, my career in the culinary space actually very much expanded my repertoire. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere. 
here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew. The space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. So you're 11 and you go on Chopped and you loved Guy Fieri. Now, yes. I'm just FY, full disclosure, I, um, I did Rachel versus Guy and I did um, Chopped All-Stars. Now, I'm just going to tell pe- people always ask me, what's it like to be on Chopped? First of all, I have to tell you my chop story and then we'll go into your chop story because I think you'll love it. So I'm on Chopped with Layla Ali, um, Muhammad Ali's daughter who brought her own knives. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Johnny Weir, the ice skater. Mm -hmm. Joey Fatone uh, from the Backstreet Boy. And by the way, I just want to say like a few weeks before I went on Chopped, it was Easter Sunday, and my mother, God rest her soul, calls me from the Hebrew home for the aged and says to me, don't visit me today. I don't want you coming, which meant, please come visit me today. Yeah. And she said, I don't, need, I don't need you. I don't want you coming. I said, Mom, I can't come anyway. Good, because I don't want you to come. Okay. So, <laughs> so then my neighbor comes over and annoys me. And then my kids are like, can we have uh, eggs with avocado? And then I realized my neighbor came over and took the avocado. And I was so aggravated between my mother and my neighbor and the kids that I took the avocado that I had left and I took my knife and I went to get the pit out and I did it the wrong way. It slipped and I cut my hand. I cut a nerve. I couldn't feel anything. And I'm like, I can't feel anything. I have to go. I had to have two surgeries on my hand. So I had had surgery and I have still to this day, it's all tingly, weird feeling in here. And I play piano, so it's really annoying. Anyway, so I had a disadvantage, whatever. I go on Chopped and uh, the first, now, you know, you you have, you are on Chopped Junior. They have the basket. And so the first basket is chicken breast, Vanilla cupcake, Kuji Kang, Kuji Chang, the Koreans. Kuji Chang, yeah. All right. You, of course, you know how to say it. All right. And then, um, and avocado. So um, I make a guacamole with the kajajaja. And um, I, I marinate, I, I did, I, oh, I grilled the chicken breast. I seasoned it, everything. And then I was like, oh, shit, I forgot about the cupcake. So I decided to make like a crust for the chicken with the cupcake. Anyway, I put it on my plate. 
Meanwhile, Johnny Weir, who doesn't know how to cook, doesn't even season his chicken. He the plate looks gorgeous. He has a flower here. You know, he's it's just beautiful. It's just like a work of art. And then Layla, you know, and Joey owned a restaurant. It was just like ridiculous. And Layla. All right. So then, you know, how you have to stand there while they're eating it. Oh, that's the best part. OK, for it's like three hours. Anyway, so I so I we're standing there and then uh, they're like, oh, your chicken is delicious and the guacamole is delicious. But of course, it looked like shit on the plate because I'm a mother of two young kids and I don't care what it looks like. I just plop it on the plate. So anyway, even though my food tasted good, I got cut, right? Which is the most devastating. Like, I don't think people understand. It's like someone sticking a knife in your heart. You're standing there for, you just want to cry. And then I have to go in the back room and like, yeah, blah, whatever. Yeah, it was really hard, blah, blah, blah. And in the next basket for the entree, it was a bunch of things. And the last thing was matzah. And I was so anti-Semitic. I know. So obviously they thought I was going to matzah, by the way, they thought I was going to go into the next round. No one knew what to do. I was going to make matzah braai. I was like, oh, my God, I could have made matzah braai and totally went to the dessert. But but anyway, so I lost. So you went on. First of all, thank you for wearing a yarmulke on Chopped Jr. Uh, For all the Jews that are out there that. It's you were so cute. You're um, you went on. Tell can you tell us about your experience? First of yes, all, you actually, loved Guy, right? Yes, I love Guy Fetty. I was actually on regular chops, it was actually before Chop Jr. existed. My episode was actually like a test run. Um, oh, okay, been. because it says in one place I read just chopped, and the other one said chopped. Yeah, a lot of a lot of articles always write chopped junior. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was I I applied I auditioned just on a total whim. I mean, it was just fun to fill out a questionnaire about cooking. Right. I think it was on actually it was actually on Yeshiva Week, which is like the the break that all the Jewish schools go on. Yes. Um, and my mom needed an activity for me, and so I filled out this like twenty question thing about cooking. Um, never thought I'd get on, and then I did. Um, I too got out in the first round, um, so I know I know that feeling all too well. Um, but isn't you know, it I, the worst? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Um, but you know, I wonder and, what it was like for someone so young. Like for me, I'm like, oh, I've been through everything. I'm a comic. Like I'm so used to being humiliated and and you know and de- feeling defeated and just. And I was like, oh, because you feel as a stand up, you feel like you can handle anything. That's why I yeah. think Zelensky is such is such a hero in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you put up with so much stuff. And 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 it, one of the reasons he's also brilliant. But I wonder what it's like for to be disappointed like that. Is it, is it less because you're like, I have my whole life ahead of me or what did it feel like? Not going to lie, it did feel like the end of the world. I remember there was a moment, you know, it was, I don't know, where did they film Chopped when you were on? It was in a studio, but uh, it was at um, that uh, 14th Street. Yes. Great. So yeah, that's where they filmed mine also. Um, Not going to lie, I, there was a moment I remember we walked, uh, once we were done with all the interviews and everything, um, where we walked out and we were like about five steps from, with my mom, five steps out of the door of Chelsea Market and I collapsed on the floor sobbing. Oh, um, poor baby. Yeah. So, you know, I remember then at the viewing party, I was like, like very much shitting myself. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was hard, but I think that, you know, I very quickly realized that I could turn 
this loss into a win. And, you know, oh. I would say like, um, you know, what even did your I, mother say to you when you, when you were crying? Not gonna lie, I don't, I don't remember. If I can be okay, that's fine. I don't that's remember. Fine. Okay. Um, I always joke that I have the memory of an old Jewish man already. Um, <laughs> I had it checked out. I like, I went to like neurologist and everything. I just have a bad memory. Um, yeah. and, but yeah, and I think that, you know, it sounds cheesy, but like, I really, um, am grateful that, you know, I was able to turn this loss into like the biggest win possible. And I think that, um, obviously, you know, being on chopped is not the most relatable thing on earth. Not everyone's on there, but I think, you know, it's something that I've really tried to carry with me. And I try to, when people ask me about like what it's been like doing this is that, you know, like, I really do believe that. And it's, it sounds extremely cheesy and like, I'm reading this off like a postcard, but like, it's really not about how you fall. It's about if, whether or not you how get you get up. back up. Absolutely. And because like, if you, you know, and I, it sounds so cheesy always saying this, but it's so true. Like if you look at everyone who's successful, um, it's not the people that, one hugely it's the people and or the people that never failed it's the people that were able to get up from their fall right because yeah. you need to have that skill you yeah. know that's why i always think it's a curse to win the voice it's the people that you know because then they own you and you're like oh and it's the other people you're like oh my god that person's so talented and they get to have freedom you have freedom what was it like you know, after the chopped was on, you go back to school. Were you worried about that at the point at that point? Oh, my God, I'm going to go back to school and everyone's going to be like, you know, I got bullied so much growing up. And I don't know if there's bullying in yeshiva. I mean, I definitely got made fun of it, I think, throughout my life. And I think kind of, you know, once I when you, I mean, as, when you in general in life, when you post things on social media, you're you're putting yourself out there, you're bound to get right. made fun of. But um, you know, doing that in middle school and then high school is definitely a different challenge. Um, and so, you know, definitely, I mean, I think I grew a thick skin very quickly, you know, whether it was online or in school. Right, you have people, to. People were, I mean, obviously people were supportive, but like people were also, if I'm going to be honest, very mean about it. Um, oh, please. Yeah. And, but I think that, you know, for me, I grew a thick skin very quickly, which, um, you know, let me tell you is very important in this oh, industry. Oh, you're not kidding. Um, and I think that it was honestly a lesson that I'm really grateful that I learned at such a young age because, you know, especially now, you know, um, in 2021, my videos reached over 300 billion. Um, I sorry, know! Wait, not billion, sorry. Billion. <laughs> that would be intergalactic. 300 million individuals yeah. um, across the world. Um, and, you know, I think the thing that I always say is the number one indicator of success um, in specifically entertainment, but in a lot of areas is if people are hating on you. Um, you know, if, if you're worthy of, sp of people spending their time to comment negatively on, that means you're doing something. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, if you're doing something that's actually, you know, new and different and, you know, breaking through some barrier, right. that barrier is there for a reason. There, there's people um, that, that, you know, don't want it to happen. What are you, a hundred so, years old? I can't with you. <laughs> uh, no, not, not quite. You're like um, a rabbi. I can't take it. Um, you. Oh, by the way, you couldn't eat the food on Chopped, right? Yes, I, I cannot eat any food on Chopped. Um, and and that, was, that was definitely a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, I faced a similar thing. Um, so you couldn't eat the food. The kitchen isn't kosher on Chopped. I did this thing. I can't believe, well, thank God my mother's not here to hear it. But I did this thing 
they asked me to be on this thing for the Food Network, which was um, a roast. They were like, you're going to go to the Friars Club. Gilbert was on it. Oh, it was so fun. And we're going to go to the Friars Club and all these contestants on like America's Next Best whatever had to make a roast, right? And I get there and the ingredient is pork. Ooh. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God, what do I do? So then I decide I did this. I was like freaking out. And then I was like, okay, I'm playing a character who eats pork. <laughs> 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 who eats pork. So I felt, I can't even tell you. I First of all, I had nothing to compare it to. Right. And I was like, all right, I'll just taste it. I was like, oh, this is kind of good, whatever. And then my um, my cousin calls. Did I see you on uh, the the television? eating? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to hell. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with Aton Bernath. And go cook something. Go cook something yummy. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help and talents and brain of Brittany Joe Sowards. And wish her get well because she has the COVID. Uh, if you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. Seriously, like, you know, this show is great. Just leave a review and give me five stars. And then, you know, and then it'll be more successful. Also, now is a perfect time to purchase my book, Yes, I Can Say That, When They Come for the Comedians, We're All in Trouble, which you can get at my, at my um, website, judygold.com. We're having some free speech uh, issues going on in the country. I don't know. A lot, of, a lot of shit going on in the country right now. And I have to say that it sucks. And I am, you know, really disappointed in a lot of the people in this great country of ours who are fucking dumb anyway yeah so and keep your hand off my body now no one's really has their hands on my body except for elisa but and my massage therapist and sometimes my trainer but my trainer's not jewish but whatever um he has a gay twin brother so that counts for being jewish yeah, so it's just, it's it's a lot going on. So I hope you're enjoying my podcast and it's getting your mind off of all the fucking shit going on in this country. So I want you to take care of yourselves, do something nice for someone, and seriously, protest and fight and fight and protest. So important. June 2nd, I'll be at the Wall Street Theater with the great Jessica Kirsten. June 11th, I'll be at Montclair Pride in New Jersey. And in between all that and after that and during that, I'll be at the Art House in Provincetown, Massachusetts. So come see me, come laugh, go hear a comedian, but make sure it's me. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Whoever you are, listening till the end. Thank you. And as we always say, so long! <laughs> <laughs>